I am overwhelmed that God would desire for us to know him. But it's just too easy to see that he wants us to know him and to be made right with him through Jesus. And uh, I ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, John chapter 4. When you get to John chapter 4, you can put your finger on verse 3. If you're using that pew Bible, it's on page 1,224. 1,224 in the pew Bible right there in front of you. John chapter 4, verses 3 through 10 is where we will be spending our time. Let me start by asking you a question. Have you ever just wanted something specific to eat? I mean, have you ever just wanted something? You can call it a craving. I'm just craving something. Amen. There you go. Somebody's told, somebody's telling the truth. I looked up the word craving. The word craving as a defined word is a powerful desire for something. This morning, My Sunday school class didn't pick up on it. They may have, but they didn't say anything about it. This morning is the first Sunday in I don't know how many Sundays that I didn't go to Duncan. I just didn't do it. Nope, they were open. (laughs) They were open. And sometimes I could, I mean, if you guys would give me 20 minutes, I could get on my phone and order one and go pick it up because I want one right now. But I did that on purpose because when I talk about it, have you ever just wanted something, craved something, a powerful desire for something? Every now and then, that marks how I feel about my Dunkin' or sometimes how I feel about a good burger and fries. I mean, I will drive hours for a good burger and fries. But have you ever just wanted something? Sometimes I just want something. I'm not sure what it is. Have you ever done this? I know I want something. It's 9 o'clock at night. It's like the perfect time to eat something. I know I want something. I don't know what it is, so I go, and I, and I stand in the kitchen, and I open up the pantry door, and I just sort of stand around and look, and I shut it, and I go to the refrigerator, and it's we got a two-door refrigerator, so I open it up, and then I open up the other one, and you just stand there and look. You're trying to find that thing that you know you want. You guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I know exactly what I want. You know that feeling? And most times when you want something, when you really crave something and desire something, you'll make it happen. You'll cook it. You'll go buy it. You'll leave your house right then. Won't even get all fixed up and pretty, and you'll just go get it. And when you get it, after you want it for so long, it is so satisfying to get what you crave. I recall when Angela was pregnant with our first child, she craved little cheeseburgers. I'm talking about those little ones that our, in East Tennessee, our Dairy Queen would make, little cheeseburgers and cherry slushes. And when they were open, I didn't know when I was going to get the call, but if she said, I need some of those little burgers and cherry slush, my job was to say, yes, ma'am, I'll be right back. She also had an affinity for, of all things, gas station hot dogs. Man, that's a bad one. 
She wouldn't ordinarily touch them, and if, she, and if I offered to let that be our lunch today, she would be offended. But during that time, when she was pregnant, that was it. I mean, that hit that spot for her. I recall when my mother was at her sickest, and I shared over time that my mother had brain cancer, and she died 25 years ago. But I remember when she was at her sickest, she craved boiled shrimp with cocktail sauce. Now, that's not a bad craving. Now, the reality is, is we lived in East Tennessee. Do you know in East Tennessee, it's hard to find fresh boiled shrimp and cocktail sauce. And when you find it, it's expensive. But when my mama wanted it, we would go as far as it took and pay what it took, and then we would flat peel our fingers raw to make sure that she got what she wanted when she craved those shrimp and cocktail sauce. Cravings, desires, they do that. They surge to the top of our list, and the cost, the effort, the sacrifice does not matter any longer. You guys know what I'm feeling. Cravings. Let me in. Let me let you in on a little secret, and I believe this. This is not pastor speak, but I believe this. I believe that God desires. I believe that God craves to do something big amongst this people, his people. I believe that, church, we are sitting on the brink of revival, of a spiritual outbreak, of a spiritual growth, seeing lives changed, but I believe there's one thing missing. God is waiting on us. Waiting on us to crave him, to crave that, to desire it, him, to the point where it is the only thing that matters. I ask you to stand with me now. We read from the book of John chapter 4. We're going to read verses 3 through 10. John chapter 4, picking up in verse 3. It says, He, that's Jesus, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but He needed to go through Samaria. So He came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from His journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Thank you. Be seated. Keep your scripture open, please. Verse 3, you can read into the context, but Jesus decides in verse 3 that it is time to depart Judea and to go to Galilee. Now, there were three specific pathways that could be used to accomplish this journey. And what I would encourage you to do later when you get home 
is open up your Bible or the maps that you have or go online and, and look for a map at the time of Jesus' ministry. And you'll get a really clear understanding of this geography lesson that I'm going to try to visually paint for you. You could, Judea's here, and Galilee is here. You could leave Judea and go up the Mediterranean coast and then come back in to Galilee. You could leave Judea, go right into a place called Perea and into Galilee. Or you could leave Judea, go straight through Samaria and into Galilee. Those are the three ways you'll see it. You could go this way, you can go this way, or you can go that way. By looking on the map, you'll clearly be able to tell that one of these pathways is clearly shorter and more direct than the other. And if you Googled it, like I didn't, but like I do in my life, if you Googled it or you asked Siri to give you the pathway for each of these, here's what you'll find. The Mediterranean coast passage is about 110 miles. And if you are a hard-walking person, you could make that in about five days. That's hard. The Jordan River going this way into Perea and into Galilee would be about 100 miles and would take you about four days of hard, hard walking. And then the straight-through Samaria pathway was just under 70 miles, and you could make it in a much easier three-day walk. I know that when I'm seeking to go someplace and I ask my map, my Siri, to get me there, I am always asking for the quickest way. I always want to be on the quickest way. I will drive more miles if I know that it is the quickest way. And when I get stuck in traffic, I am always looking to get out of traffic to get back into the quickest way. That's how I'm driven. I'm not alone, but it's easy to pick on me right now. But we know the quickest way is how we want to get there. That would be going straight through Samaria into Galilee. There was only one big issue. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. I'm not talking about weren't talking to each other. I'm talking about they don't, they hate each other. To a point that a Jew would rather travel this way or this way before they would travel straight through. It would take them further and cost them more, but they did not want to set foot in Samaria. But Jesus has said, we must go to Galilee. So for the sake of context and learning, I want to take a moment to help us understand what the issue was, why the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. The tensions go back at least 700 years from the time frame that they are at, at in this period of time. Back to the times where Israel was in captivity. From the Jewish perspective, there were many reasons. Let me just give you just a few reasons of why. The Samaritans were a mixed race of people, Jews who had intermarried with Gentiles, yet they claimed 
to be the true recipients of God's promises, God's promises to Abraham. And the Jews didn't like that. The Samaritans had violently opposed Cyrus's restoration. If you go back in history, Cyrus was this leader during captivity time that he was willing to allow Israel to go back to its home, rebuild its cities. They would still be under control, but he would give them basic, basic freedom. But the Samaritans opposed that freedom that Cyrus wanted to give back to the land of people. The Samaritans had built their own temple on Mount Gerizim and had adopted their own priesthood, their own sacrificial system, all independent of the Jewish people. And during the religious persecution of the Seleucid king Antiochus IV, the Samaritans allied themselves with the pagan attacks on Judaism. And this was about 167 years before the time that we are right here. So in retaliation, John Hyrcanus, a leader of the Jewish people, between 130 B.C. and 100 B.C., destroyed the Samaritan's temple. So there's some history that goes way, way, way back. You know, the interesting thing is, is that the only thing that yet remained was, why are you talking to me? Jews and, Gent Jews and Samaritans don't talk to each other. Have you ever been told that you weren't supposed to like somebody because the people who told you didn't like somebody? Have you ever been raised to think that something is wrong because the people who raised you and the people who raised them and the people who raised them said it was wrong, and once you're a Hatfield, you're always a Hatfield, and no matter how many McCoys you can get to know, they're always bad. That's sort of what's happening here, church. We need to understand. And we can see this kind of activity in our lives where there are people in our lives that we just don't like. Why? Because we just don't like them. And if you dig back far enough, somebody probably told us why we weren't supposed to, but we may not know that anymore. So to say that these people did not like each other would have been an understatement and would help us understand why the average Jewish person in this time would rather take the long way to Galilee then take the quickest way to Galilee, which would be through Samaria. Different beliefs, different opinions, different perspectives, treating each other poorly and not caring about each other. I read that list of qualities that those people had against each other, and I'm going, man, that sounds just like today. You know, there are always reasons to keep us from or to keep us not liking people. There's always reasons. Then and now for not liking people. Do you know that you will go without bread if somebody that you don't like is in the bread aisle at the store? You'll just skip it. You'll go someplace else. We'll go without bread this week. That's how much we will avoid people that we don't like. And I am certain that the Holy Spirit of God right now, I believe this, I've been praying for this for two weeks, this moment right here, that God has placed any issue that you have with somebody, with some group, with some people, with some circumstance, with some situation, I pray that God is 
showing that to you right now, and he is convicting you and showing you that that is not what he would want you to do. I hope that you will ask him to show you these things, anything in your life. That is not how God would have you to feel towards somebody. You see, we separate from people for so many reasons. And you're going, Jeff, that's a whole lot of context. Everybody understand the situation that we're facing right here in this time? Verse 4, because Jesus said in verse 3, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, verse 4. But he, that's Jesus, needed to go through Samaria. Needed to go through Samaria. I looked this up. In the New King James, which is what I have and what the Pew Bibles are, it says he needed to go through Samaria. New American Standard. He had to pass through Samaria. The NIV. He had to go through Samaria. The ASV. He must needs pass through Samaria. The Holman Christian. He had to travel through Samaria. You get it. They're all creating this urgency, this need. The original language would read something like this. Jesus said, it is necessary that we travel through Samaria. Jesus said, this is a divine obligation. Jesus was willing to violate social norms, cultural norms, historical norms, religious conventions to demonstrate God's, to demonstrate God's love for an outcast people group. Jesus was prioritizing spiritual needs above all other needs. Now, church, there's a big truth right there. We come up with all kinds of reasons why we do or don't do things. I'm asking you to ask God, God, show me one reason why I should. See, if I encourage you to do something or if there's a truth that you need to obey, you're going to find lots of reasons why you can't, why you shouldn't, why it's not possible. I'm just going to encourage you to find the one reason why you should and then act on it. Had a conversation with a church member recently. They began by telling me that they were challenged by the Holy Spirit of God on Sunday morning, January the 2nd. That's when Rock spoke. Remember the three points? We must pray for the lost. We must accept them where they are currently at, and we must lead them to Jesus. It's a great reminder. This member then went on to share with me, after their conviction from that sermon, that their prior training and high-level involvement in structured outreach and visitation plans of the past. You know the kind. Grow would be one. EE would be one. We would show up. It would be my time because I was an R, which meant I came the second Sunday of every month at a certain place at a certain time in a certain room, and I can't come on G or O or W because it's not my turn. And then I would be given a card or two cards, and I was to go make a cold call visit in these situations. You guys remember that visitation process, right? 
This member, however, shared with me that is ex- as experienced as they were, as programmed and taught and prepared as they were to go through the structured outreach visitation programs that churches have created forever. He said that he felt personally convicted and unprepared to be involved in personal evangelism. You know what I'm saying? The daily desire to share Jesus and the ability to interact with people in the pathways of life. Church, there's a big difference. See, churches put together programs to try to get people to grab a hold of what God's called us to do. And they had a time and they had a place. But Jesus is getting ready to teach us right now that it's hand-to-hand combat that we are called to do. We are to live for Jesus as we go. Church, God's personal evangelism is God's plan for us. We are called to be witness. We, We are called to go. We are told to share Jesus and what he has done in our lives as we are going. Now, at the end of this conversation, and this church member's in the room, I just smiled because I knew where God was taking us. Right here. And how he was leading me, both personally, and then leading me as a leader to lead you through the Scripture. Did you know that we can find countless reasons not to share the gospel? And did you know that churches and people are failing because they do not share the gospel? And that people are dying every day apart from Jesus because we aren't sharing the gospel. Share your story of a dentist. And, you know, I've been on a little bit of a, I'm on a bunch of journeys all of a sudden in my life, but I was, I've been on this dental journey. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in the dental chair and I'd been Novocaine up, I probably couldn't say words normal if I needed to. And I had stuff in my mouth, so I couldn't say stuff if I needed to. But this dental assistant person that was talking to me, once she found out that I was a pastor, she asked me if I knew a couple of people, because every Christian knows every Christian, right? (laughs) I hardly ever know anybody like that. But she went on to share with me, I can't say anything. She went on to share with me. She said, you know, my daughter and I, we, we visited church. She told me what little town she was in, and that's not important for her. She said, we were really looking for a church home. And do you know that while we were there, not one person said one word to us. Now, around here, by the time they get to the pew, you've talked their ear off. That was a encouragement church, right? We don't let people get in here without talking to them. But do you know that even then you can talk to people without talking to people? But she said, we went to this church and nobody said anything to us. And she's, I said, best I could. Where are you going now? She said, we never went back and we go nowhere. Because nobody said something to them. So here's 
major point right here, that until you feel a need, an urgency, a craving, a desire to share Jesus with somebody, until that is what drives you and compels you, you won't share Jesus with anybody. You hear that, church? Until you have a need. What Jesus said this, verse 4, but he needed, needed, church. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He was driven. He craved. He had to go through Samaria. And you know what? When Jesus was driven, he did what he was driven to do. And you know the thing about before we make Jesus, I know this sounds odd because he's the son of God, but I want to work really hard not to make Jesus so unrealistic that we cannot turn to him. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But Jesus was driven to do this. And you know what? You can be. When God turns over something in your life that causes you to feel a need to share Jesus with others, you will. And until that happens, you won't. Verse 5, so they went through Samaria, so they came to the city of Sychar near the well of Jacob. Verse 6 says that Jesus was wearied from the trip, and he sat by the well, and it was about noon. Verse 8 goes ahead and gives us this other information, that Jesus is sitting by the well by himself because the disciples, all of the disciples, went into town to get food. That's what Scripture said, verse 8. Now, right now, I'm feeling the need to go this way, and I'm feeling the need to go this way. So let's go this way first. Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? But Scripture teaches us in no uncertain terms that Jesus is all God, but that Jesus is all man Church, you believe that? Hebrews tells us that Jesus can be our great high priest because he has gone through everything that we have gone through. He understands our troubles, our needs, our temptations. He knows hunger, pain, sadness, and thirst. Yet Jesus, in this moment, in his fatigue, in his weariness, he said, I got a need, and that need is to do. He said he had a need. You know, it'd be fully understandable at this moment, by this well, at noon, after walking as far as he has walked, it would be absolutely reasonable for Jesus to take a nap, to go off the clock, to need a little me time. But Jesus craved one thing, and he had put himself in position for this one thing. And as the disciples returned, we see later in Scripture. Let me just go ahead and read this Scripture to you. If you've got John chapter 4 open, you don't even have to move a page. Just go to verse 31. In the meantime, I'll come back and we'll fill in what's just missed, okay? But in the meantime, it says, verse 31, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. They had gone to get food. Things had happened while they were gone. They came back and they said, Jesus, you need to eat something. 
Verse 32, but he, that's Jesus, said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Did you notice there? Jesus said, I'm running on desire. I'm running on craving. I'm running on need. And that is the need to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. You know what? Understand this, church. When, when Jesus said, I came to finish the work, that means that the work was started already by God. And Jesus said, I came to do what my Father sent me to do, and my Father sent me to go through Samaria to Sychar to this well for this appointment that he gave me. A craving. Let me show it to you again. If you're in John chapter 4, just flip one page over. Probably you'll be in John chapter 6. You may have to flip two pages. I do in mine. But let me read to you John chapter 6. Jesus talking about his desire and his craving. John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40 says this. I'm pausing to get these last two pages flipped over. I want you there with me. John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who has sent me, that of all he has given to me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. I will raise him up in the last day. Church, did you see that? I'm not doing my own will. I'm doing the will of the Father. The will of the Father is that I raise up those that he has given to me that I lose none. And the will of the Father is that all come to eternal life, which means faith in Christ. He said, that's why I came. Jesus was driven by the will of his Father. And if we're not careful, we'll say, well, of course he is. He's the Son of God. And we will discount everything as being not reasonable and not our responsibility. That's Jesus, and we can't attain to that. But remember, Jesus was all man. He knows our lives, and he has called us to follow him. Max, Max, thank you, Max. Matthew 7.21 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Jesus just said that there's going to be a lot of church members not going to heaven. Why? Because they did not do the will of the Father. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. God has a purpose and a plan for you, and he wants you to do that. But don't be conformed to the world. I don't like them because why? Well, somebody told me I wasn't supposed to. No, be transformed because you were transformed by Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Church, let me go ahead and tell you, the sanctification is a big church word with a simple definition. To make you more 
and more and more like Jesus. That's God's desire in you when you came to know Jesus as Savior. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way Jesus walked. And we just read here in John chapter 4 that Jesus walked in opposition to everything that people with that day thought was normal. And he put himself in a position to do the will of the Father. We must be driven. We must crave the will of the Father. James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Again, let me make this statement to you. Until you feel the need, the desire, the urgency, the craving to share Jesus with somebody, you won't. It is clearly God's will for us to share. But until we are driven by that, we won't. Now, I mentioned a minute ago that I felt like I needed to go this way and that way, and you're going, yeah, I was hoping you'd forget that other way. Nope. This other way hurts me. And I love it. Let's go the other way. We've discussed the historical issues and the real issues between the Jews and the Samaritans. We've talked how people will walk days out of their way to not encounter Samaritans. And then God crushed me with this revelation as I was studying his word. You see, I mentioned that Jesus sat alone at the well while all of the disciples went into the town to get food. And you're going, yeah. So what's the point? Did you catch that, though? That the same people that we would avoid like the plague, the same people that we would walk miles out of our way to stay away from, the same people that we've been taught and that we have issues with that we don't like, that we're not supposed to associate with, when it meets our needs, we'll make exceptions. Did you catch that? We don't like you, but man, I'm sure I am glad you got a store. We're not going to share Jesus with you, but we'll give you a dollar for that sandwich. You guys get the point that's being made here, right? It's hypocritical of us to walk through life and not share Jesus. We go, I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you, but if you could do something for me, I'll put up with you. We do it all the time. Their issues with the people did not prevent them from meeting their own selfish needs. Their issues were flexible, were situational. We Jews do not associate with Samaritans Unless we need to. That's what, was, that's what God showed me right there. Remember, Jesus, I have a need to go through Samaria. God's word is teaching us right now 
right this minute, church, that we must have a need to share Jesus with people that extends beyond our own personal desires, and that aligns with God's will for our lives. God's will is for people to know Jesus as their Savior. That is God's will. Something happened, uh, it's probably been a week and a half ago. You know, some places, they have trouble staying open during these sick times and employee-challenged times. That's not a statement. That's just a fact of life. And I went to this place to get coffee. And the doors were locked. And on there was a note that says, we're short-staffed, please use the drive-thru. I have, I don't know, I think I've been there over, conservatively speaking. I've been to that individual place over 500 times. You're going, Jeff, you got a problem. You bet. <laughs> but I've been there over 500 times, and every single time, Prior to this day, I walk in. I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's snowing, cold, hot. I walk in. You're going, why? I want to see the people. I want to get to know their names. I want to know how long they've been working there. And I'm looking for that opportunity to ask them about Jesus. Now, I'm not making much of me. And sometimes when you stand right here, it looks like I can be careful. To, I, I might be making much of me. No. Let me just tell you what happens. If I don't, God convicts me to the point that I'm unable to bear myself. Because he has taught me that a lot of people took their time to plant Jesus in my life. And so I, I didn't like it that day. So I backed up the drive through line. I got in it, got to the window, talked to them, and talked to them, just talking to them, until a honk in the door. The car behind me said, well, they'd already seen the coffee come out the window. You know, you're supposed to pull out because other people are waiting to get their stuff. You know, I just wanted to talk to them. I said, you know, I've never been through the drive-thru before because I love coming in and talking. I wanted to use it as an opportunity to share with them the importance of Jesus. That car in the back of me, they just honked and go, we don't care about Jesus, get your coffee and go on. Now, they didn't say that. But that's how we... Act. Sometimes. I'm praying that Jesus will put me in front of people that I might get the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them. And you know what's so cool? God answered that prayer. I get to meet new doctors. I get to meet radiation people. I, I get to meet receptionist people right? And you're going, what are you talking about? Well, inside, everybody knows what, what I'm talking about. If you want to know more about that, Jeff, what are you talking about? Visit with me. 
I'll be happy to share with you. But God will put us in positions that are appointments where we must need to share Jesus. Church, until you have a need, a craving, a desire, an urgency to share Jesus, to do the will of the Father, until you have that urgency, you just won't do it. Until you adopt that need in your life, you will not desire to share Jesus with others. So the very first step, the very first step in personal evangelism is having the need. Being unable to keep it inside any longer. Because Jesus said to the disciples, don't you worry about what you'll say in the future. You just do what I say and I'll give you the words. The Holy Spirit will give you the words at just the right time. So it's not about a process. To me, as I was reading this, God has says it's about having the need. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Here's the question. Do you crave sharing Jesus with others? If you do, the following steps will be much easier. Yeah, I said that right. Much easier. If you do not, if you do not have an urgency, a desire, a need to share Jesus with others, then you have a problem. Not with me. You have a problem with the Lord. There's a heart issue there. And today, you can ask God to fix that heart issue. You see, David in Psalm 139, he didn't come before God as if he had it all figured out. He came before God and he said, God, search me. Know my heart. If there's any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting. What David is saying, Lord, do whatever you need to in my life to get me to where you want me to be. Show me, Lord. If you ask that, he will. And if you ask him to put people in your pathway that need to hear about Jesus, he will. Church, he will. I just hope you crave to, desire to, need to, more than anything.